Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us on another edition of the Daily Boogie. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you once again. As everybody is concerned and preoccupied with the upcoming presidential address, which at the time of this recording hasn't happened yet, it's a couple of hours away, another story has been floating around that hasn't got much attention. And I thought we would give it a little bit of attention today as well as apply a little bit of context to the broader discussion around a Supreme Court judge from Venezuela who has defected to the United States. So it should be an interesting chat indeed. By the way, guys, if you want to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. If you enjoy the show, please hit the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And if you'd like to get in touch and talk about today's show, please do so on Twitter by following me at Boogie Bumper. So the first article I have for you today, and as always, all articles will be linked in the show notes, and there's going to be a few of them today. So settle in and get ready to read. Get your reading glasses on. Make sure they're polished clean because we have plenty to get through. So the first article today comes from Zero Hedge entitled, Venezuela Supreme Court judge flees to US, spills secrets of Maduro's hold on power. Quoting from the article, the Venezuelan government has, quote, only brought hunger, misery and destruction to the country as a failed state, admitted a Venezuelan Supreme Court justice and longtime government loyalist who is now making headlines by his shocking and unprecedented defection to the United States. I've decided to leave Venezuela to disavow the government of Nicolas Maduro, the former powerful judge, Christian Zerpa, told reporters. I believe Maduro does not deserve a second chance because the election he supposedly won was not free and competitive. This is on the back of Nicolas Maduro winning re-election recently in what many people believe to be one of, those, one of those famous rigged elections that we've heard so much about lately. Considering such a powerful and high-level former regime loyalist, just, just a little side note, apparently a lot of the election, the voting machines that were used in the first election of Hugo Chavez, who became president after unsuccessfully trying to enact a coup d'etat on the sitting government of the time, just about 12 months before he was elected. Apparently, a lot of those very same voting machines, the same company, have voting machines in the US as well, which I just thought was an interesting little tidbit. But that's something that you can look up yourself if you're interested. Zerpa told reporters while speaking from Florida on Sunday night that he could no longer stomach Venezuela's highest court being a mere appendage of Maduro's ruling in a circle complaining that since 2015, only hand-picked insider loyalists were appointed to the bench. As Maduro is set to enter his second six-year term in an oath of office ceremony on Thursday, Zerpa cited that he didn't want to play the role of legitimising Maduro's rule when the Supreme Court swears him in, according to the Associated Press. 
We are in the presence of an autocracy that has condemned to death any opposition to this particular vision of power, Zerpa told a Miami-based news broadcast. Western leaders and international rights organisations have condemned the latest uh, presidential election, noting important opposition leaders and parties were banned or in some cases boycotted the election knowing they would be pressured or forced out. Zerpa's defection has been confirmed by Venezuelan officials and official media, which have started an apparent smear campaign claiming the Supreme Court justice was facing multiple sexual harassment charges by women he worked with. Where have we heard this kind of tactic before? He now says he's ready to work with US investigators into corruption and human rights inquiries in Venezuela, even after being under sanction by Canada, but not yet the United States. In early media statements made after fleeing his home country, Zerpa described abuses ranging from receiving directives from First Lady Celia Flores on how to rule in cases that are politically connected, to finding legal means and creating loopholes in order to block opposition representatives from taking key swing vote seats in Congress. One bombshell confession made by Zerpa related to his role on the court involves his personally taking steps to ensure Maduro maintained total control of Venezuelan Congress. The AP report describes this as follows. Quote, as a newly installed justice, he recounted being summoned to the court and told to sign off on a key ruling without first reviewing its details. It disqualified three elected representatives of Amazonas state from taking their seats in Congress following the opposition sweep of legislative elections in 2015. The outcome prevented the opposition from amassing a two-thirds supermajority that would have severely curtailed Maduro's power. He further related he had to flee because he would be jailed for coming forward and is now apologising to the public for propping up the Maduro government. Quote, he apologised for propping up the Maduro government, saying that he feared being jailed as a dissident where his life would be put at risk. Meanwhile, other dissenters have recently fled the country amidst a collapsed economy runaway inflation and extreme food and medicine shortage after two decades of socialist rule. One such opposition lawmaker, Julio Borges, who previously fled from the country fearing for his life, urged Latin American leaders on Monday to intensify pressure on Maduro, saying, and I quote, The inhuman arrogance of this dictatorship led by Nicolas Maduro personally challenges the heads of state of the region. End quote. Now, you'll notice, ladies and gentlemen, in the corporate media, a couple of tendencies that keep rearing their ugly heads. The first I find most offensive in regards to what's happening in Venezuela, and it's been happening for some time. We'll get into that. We'll show that. But the first one that I find particularly offensive is referring to this as a humanitarian crisis or an economic crisis. Anything other than a political crisis. This is the go-to manoeuvre for the lackeys in the corporate Western press. Who, funnily enough, are now actually coming out and criticising Nicolas Maduro. One suspects that when people are forced to eat their pets in order to survive, the apparatchiks of the socialist utopian future 
may consider it a little bit inconvenient to continue to throw their support behind such a disastrous ideology and regime. Another article here for you from The Conversation, written by the Professor of International Business from Georgia State University, Pedro Carrillo. How today's crisis in Venezuela was created by Hugo Chavez's revolutionary plan. Venezuela is a nation rich with natural resources such as oil, gold, diamonds and other minerals. Yet it is experiencing a crisis in which most people cannot find food or medicine. In the past several months, there have been great social unrest in Venezuela. Venezuelans are going out on the streets demanding their basic needs and storming delivery trucks and stores to get their hands on supplies. Their daily activities are disrupted by water rationing and electricity cuts, which have resulted from long-term neglect of basic infrastructure. Most people would take this as a sign that the government has simply failed. Many onlookers may assume Venezuela's leaders are just incompetent. Why else would they not be able to provide the people with the basic necessities like water, electricity, security and opportunity? Just to add, you'll note if you're paying attention to these stories that it's all being put at the feet of two things. One, the incompetency of Nicolas Maduro and two, a drop in world oil prices. That's what's caused this chaos in Venezuela. That's what's caused the destruction. Not socialism. Socialism is pure. Socialism cannot be wrong. In fact, if anything, the the drop in the world oil prices is a blight on capitalism. Capitalism is to blame for the destruction and death and misery and chaos in Venezuela. Not socialism. It's those rich oil baron fat cats and imperialists. They're the ones to blame, right? Back to the article. As a Venezuelan expat, having served in the Venezuelan Foreign Service for two decades and directing a program for the Inter-American Development Bank, I know the crisis is a result of an effort to gain and maintain power, just as the Castro brothers have successfully done in Cuba. Chavez came to power after unsuccessfully attempting a coup by winning an election in 1998. He won by selling the idea of giving power to the people and ending the corruption of the traditional political parties that had governed Venezuela for the last quarter century. It's a very common platform, isn't it? I mean, if we're going to be completely objective about it, Donald Trump ran on a very similar platform in the United States. I think you'd have to go a long way to say that Donald Trump is a socialist, however. But if you look at the current day socialist Democrats in the United States, rising to fame on social media apps and whatnot, you'll see very very similar rhetoric indeed. Ending the corruption of the political parties. Power to the people. He won the election, this is the article, he won the election by a convincing margin. He started his presidency with the support of the people and a barrel of oil going for more than US $100 a pop. His original popularity and success permitted him to accomplish many of his goals that in other circumstances would have been very difficult. 
In 2012, a member of the former Venezuelan president's inner circle went public, alleging details of a plan he did not want to be a part of and rejected. Lameda, a former general under President Hugo Chavez, shared details of how Chavez and his supporters allegedly intended to carry out the Bolivarian revolution he campaigned on. Chavez's call for revolution expressed a rejection of imperialism that sought to establish what? Democratic socialism for the 21st century. Who would have thunk it? But Lameda claimed Chavez's plan to accomplish this involved taking control of all branches of power, the executive, legislative, judicial, and the military. Once in power, Chavez replaced the existing Congress by creating a new National Assembly, which he controlled. He used his new National Assembly to rewrite the Constitution to perpetuate himself in power. The presidential periods were originally five-year terms without the possibility of immediate re-election. Former presidents could run again only after two terms had passed. The National Assembly changed it to six-year terms with unlimited re-elections and extended these new parameters to governors and other elected officials. Chavez served for pres- as president for 14 years until his death in 2013. The new National Assembly also reshaped the Supreme Court. They alleged the existing justices were corrupt and inserted Chavez's followers in their place. Chavez created an image of an enlightened world leader selling oil at a discount to many Latin American nations to buy goodwill. For example, he struck a deal to provide Cuba with deeply discounted oil in exchange for Cuban doctors. He started a war against the private sector. He nationalised thousands of private companies and industries, to the amazement of his followers and the astonishment of business owners and consumers who did not see it coming. Chavez's style was confrontational, disrespectful and self-centred. He would spend countless hours on national TV offending anyone who would dare disagree with him. He was known for reprimanding and firing cabinet ministers on live TV. Countless hours of the show Allo Presidente were produced. Nicolas Maduro, the current president of Venezuela, was previously a bus driver, union leader and unconditional follower of Chavez. In return, Chavez appointed him as a member of the National Assembly, the Secretary of State, Vice President, and then his heir. Maduro has tried to imitate Chavez's style, making Chavez an immortal figure, promoting rituals and making his burial place a centre of worship, and spending lavishly to create a cult centred on the, quote, eternal commander. Wow. It's very North Korean. In many respects, isn't it? The eternal commander, the dear leader, controlling every arm of the government, full nationalisation of everything, perpetual uninterrupted power from the presidency. No, ladies and gentlemen, the current crisis in Venezuela does not stem from the capitalists who control the world oil market. It doesn't stem from the ineptitude and incompetence of Nicolas Maduro, the current president. It started with Hugo Chavez and his, quote, revolutionary plan. Just like we've seen so many times before.
now we see some figures in the Western corporate media these days trying to isolate themselves from this incredibly failing, corrupt carcass of a state. From the Washington Post, Maduro's inauguration sets the stage to further isolate Venezuela's regime. There should be a doomsday clock ticking away in Venezuela's presidential palace. President Nicolas Maduro will be inaugurated for a second term following rigged elections last May. The opposition, its coalition in disarray, its leaders in prison or exile largely boycotted the vote. The United States, Canada and Latin America's largest countries, including Brazil and Argentina, vowed not to recognise the results. And you might say, well, of course, Boogie, this is the mainstream media doing what they should, rejecting a mad socialist dictatorship overlapped with corruption and destruction and death and misery. Why wouldn't the New York Times and the Washington Post and the like come out and reject this? It's obvious. They would always be against this. Let's go to 2012 in the ABC, which is the Australian taxpayer-funded media outlet. I want you to pay special attention to the fawning language used here. Venezuela's Chavez wins presidential race. This is in 2012. So this is 12 years after he first took power and a year before he would pass away. Venezuela's socialist president, Hugo Chavez, has won re-election, quashing the opposition's best bet at unseating him in 14 years and cementing himself as a dominant figure in modern Latin American history. Fireworks erupted across Caracas as Chavistas celebrated in front of the presidential palace near complete official results. Showed Mr. Chavez winning 54.42% of the votes compared to 44.97% for opposition candidate Henrique Capriles. Thank you, my dear people. Viva Venezuela, Mr. Chavez wrote on Twitter after the National Electoral Council announced the score. Thank you, God. Thank you to all of you. The 58-year-old's victory would extend his rule of the OPEC member state to two decades, though he was recovering from cancer and the possibility of a recurrence hangs over his political future. We all know how that ended. Jubilant supporters poured onto the streets of Caracas to celebrate the victory of a man who has near messianic status among Venezuela's poor. There was relief too among leftist allies around the region, from Cuba to Bolivia, who rely on his oil-financed generosity. I'm celebrating with a big heart, says Mary Raina, a 62-year-old supporter of Mr. Chavez, said, Chavez is the hope of the people and of Latin America. Since taking power in 1999, the flamboyant former soldier has become a global flag bearer of anti-imperialism, gleefully baiting the United States government while befriending leaders from Iran to Belarus whom the West views with suspicion. At home, casting himself as an heir to independence hero Simon Bolivar, the Mr. Chavez has poured billions of oil revenues into anti-poverty programs and skillfully used his humble roots and folksy oratory to build a close connection with the masses. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he just wonderful? 
While the connection ensured his re-election, the opposition's big share of the vote reflected a real and growing anger at Mr Chavez's failure to fix basic problems such as violent crime, pothole roll, uh, roads, electricity blackouts, and entrenched corruption at all levels. It wouldn't, it's not like a socialist to take money from private industry, lots of money, billions, and then use it to fund social welfare programs and say that you're a champion of the poor while ignoring things like pothole roads and violent crimes and entrenched corruption? That's not like socialist regimes, is it? That's not like democratic socialism that I ever heard of. I thought it really was just all about protecting the poor people. The government spent lavishly during the campaign to boost Mr. Chavez's chances, likely ensuring healthy growth of 4 to 5% this year, but potentially paving the way for an inflation-fueled economic hangover in 2013. That's what they were calling it in 2012. <laughs> they, they were blaming the spending on the election campaign for an economic hangover in 2013. All right. <laughs> That's the excuses they were making in the corporate press back in 2012. In the past, Mr. Chavez has taken advantage of election wins to press forward with radical reforms, and there is speculation his taste for nationalisations may turn to some untouched corners of Venezuela's banking, food and health industries. Well, and wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be utterly fantastic? After all, the more the government owns, the more the people own, and that's what's best for the people at the end of the day. Never mind fast-forwarding to 2018 when in order to keep the people quote-unquote happy, you have to lock up and execute or exile anybody who says otherwise. As the citizens watch their children's bellies shrink, as they scream with hunger pains, with dirty faces that they cannot wash due to the water restrictions, with hospitals with no medicine, and in a house without their own favourite pets because they had to eat them to stay alive. Democratic socialism just does wonders for the people. If it doesn't work out, it would be capitalism's fault. But that's just one outlet. Nobody with any influence, Bookie, would ever have anything good to say about democratic socialism and Hugo Chavez, the man who single-handedly orchestrated the downfall of Venezuela that we see today. From The Guardian. Sean Penn, Michael Moore, and Oliver Stone pay tribute to Hugo Chavez. Hollywood figures who became friends with the Venezuelan president mourn a, quote, great hero and champion of the poor. Hollywood liberals Sean Penn, Michael Moore, and Oliver Stone have paid tribute to Venezuelan president Hugo Chavez, who died on the 5th of March after a long battle with cancer at the age of 58. He was taken too soon. Penn, who first met Chavez in Venezuela in 2007 and attended a candlelit vigil for the stricken firebrand in Bolivia in December, bemoaned the politician's lack of credibility in North America. 
damn it, he just wasn't recognised enough. He just wasn't popular enough. If only he got the recognition he deserved. Why, there would be more people wanting democratic socialism in North America now. If only those evil capitalists didn't smear him and his regime. The champion of the poor. A modern day hero. This is Sean Penn. Today, the people of the United States lost a friend it never knew it had. And poor people around the world lost a champion. I lost a friend I was blessed to have. My thoughts are with the family of President Chavez and the people of Venezuela. Venezuela and its revolution will endure under the proven leadership of Vice President Nicolas Maduro. That almost sounds like state propaganda. That could be, that could be something from the Soviet Union. I imagine something very similar would happen in a communist country when its leader passes on. You roll out one of the local celebrities, you put them on TV. You know, North Korea has lost North Korea has lost a friend of the people. North Korea's revolution will endure under the proven leadership of the vice president, whoever he may be. It's, it's practically a paid-for political advertisement. It's definitely an endorsement of the current guy, Nicolas Maduro, that the democratic socialists are now trying to hang out to dry. Because remember, it's all the oil prices' fault. It's capitalist's fault. It's the imperialist's fault. It's got nothing to do with socialism. Oliver Stone, who celebrated Chavez's presidency and the successes of left-wing politicians across South America in his 2009 documentary, South of the Border, which I think you'll find now somewhere in the bargain bin of your local DVD store, said the Venezuelan leader would be remembered fondly by historians as a champion of the poor. Quote, Quote, I mourn a great hero to the majority of his people and those who struggle throughout the world for a place, he said. Hated by the entrenched classes, Hugo Chavez will live forever in history. My friend, rest finally in a peace long earned. The entrenched classes, that would be the uber rich. That wouldn't be, that wouldn't be filmmakers like Oliver Stone now by any chance, would it? Sean Penn? Michael Moore? Would they be part of the entrenched classes? Surely not. Surely not. No, the real champion, the real enemy of the entrenched classes is the former military man who leads an unsuccessful coup against his own government, then gets elected to government in the late 90s, then changes the constitution, stacks the courts, and rewrites the country's laws in order to keep himself there. Entrenched, you might say. That might be a word you would use. Entrenched. I'm not sure. Michael Moore, who met Chavez at the Venice Film Festival in 2009, posted pictures of himself with the president, tweeted, Hugo Chavez declared the oil belonged to the people. He used the oil to eliminate 75% of extreme poverty, provide free health and education for all. That made him dangerous. US approved of a coup to overthrow him, even though he was a democratically elected president. Wow who also tried to perform a coup, believe it or not. 
Of their meeting in Venice, Moore said, We spoke for over an hour. He said he was happy to finally meet someone Bush hated more than him. Isn't that wonderful? Chavez, the symbol of Latin American socialism, died at a military hospital in Caracas, the capital of the country he has ruled since 1999. He had been ill for a number of years and shocked his countrymen in June 2011 when he revealed that Cuban surgeons had removed a baseball-sized tumour from his pelvic region. Chavez has not been seen in public for three months since emergency surgery, also in Cuba, on the 11th of December. There you go, the fawning. The fawning for the entrenched leader in the entrenched class. Back in 2017, some politicians in America proposed uh, leading some kind of committee or some kind of intervention in Venezuela due to a disaster which led to 74 people being killed. This was back in 2017. In response to this outreach, the Venezuelan foreign minister at the time said, quote, the US will need to send in the Marines if it's going to get Venezuela to comply with a regional plan. Delcy Rodriguez hit out at plans to send in regional mediators following months of violent street clashes, which have so far claimed 74 lives. It's not like socialist countries to fall into the deaths of violence. Why, democratic socialists never turn violent. If they do, it's only to bash the fash. It's only because those evil capitalists and right-wingers are forcing them to. Rodriguez said at a meeting of the Organization of American States in Cancun, Mexico, that the US was only interested in Venezuela so it could take advantage of oil reserves. She said the contact group you're proposing is completely useless and unnecessary. The only way you could impose it would be to send in your Marines, who would be met with a crushing response from Venezuela if they dared make such a misstep. The outburst came after a proposal to mediate the crisis was made by US Deputy, Deputy Secretary of State John Sullivan. How dare he? How dare he try to meddle in somebody else's elections? And that's what I'm getting to here. This is the point I'm getting to here. As people begin to say this humanitarian crisis, this economic crisis, this crisis brought on by, you know, the, the price of world oil or economic factors out of Nicolas Maduro's control. I mean, Chavez was perfect. Chavez did nothing wrong. It's not socialism's fault. Against that backdrop, I know a lot of people will have empathy and sympathy with the people of Venezuela who have now been living under a somewhat authoritarian, tyrannical socialist regime for the better part of two decades. What about the economic, what about the migrants now fleeing Venezuela? Well, we all feel for them. And some people may say, well, Venezuela needs foreign aid. A couple of years ago, Venezuela turned down the possibility of foreign aid. They didn't want it. But a lot of people in the United States, Australia, the UK, Western Europe, we need to send Venezuela money. We need to send them medicine. 
We need to send them food. This isn't right. It's not fair. Think of the people. But then I wonder if a lot of people are also saying, no. You wanted socialism. You wanted this regime. You endorsed it. You promoted it. You celebrated it. You said the former dictator was a champion of the people. You said the revolution would live on, live on under the strong leadership of his predecessor, the current guy, Nicolas Maduro. The celebrities, the press, the media, the professors in the education systems. All of them. No. Chavez was a miracle. Chavez was showing you the way forward. Venezuela was socialism working. Showing you how it's meant to be done. And you evil capitalist imperialist pigs in the United States. Well, you could learn a lesson or two from this Chavez chap. So I wonder if a lot of people now are saying no. No to the foreign aid. No to the migrants. No to the help. Let Venezuela stand as a monument to democratic socialists everywhere. This is what you want. Embrace it. Bloody well own it. Because this one's on you. This is what you want. And you're damn well going to have it. Let it be a historical reminder to democratic socialists emerging now. Thanks in part to social media. And perhaps a general historical ignorance in the Western world. Let Venezuela be a monument. Something to look to. Because if the greedy imperialist pigs of the United States weren't good enough back then, well, why all of a sudden are they good enough now? Why does the left want the United States to hand over their money now? Why does the left want the United States to open their borders now? Why? If the system's so good, if this champion of the people, this miracle of a regime, the oil belongs to the people. Michael Moore. Maybe some people have just had enough. Sad as it may be. And maybe some people have every right, after being told for 20 years that they're the problem, now giving a big fat middle finger to people saying that they need to be the solution to the problem of democratic socialism. Just going to end on a short clip here, reminding you of how evil 
and bloodthirsty and imperialist and greedy and capitalist, the United States. Here's, an, here's a short little news clip showing you the kind of pure evil. Because that's the other thing too. If the United States got involved in any major way in Venezuela, the liberal press's eyes would light up. They would say, here we go again. Here is, you know, a sovereign state in South America and the imperial, the fascist Donald Trump is sticking his nose in, starting wars. He's blaming, he's blaming socialism for this economic downturn. He's blaming socialism when it's the capitalists who run the world oil markets that have caused Venezuela to crash and burn. How dare he? Well, this is from late November last year, just a short little news clip describing the kind of heartless, egomaniacal, totalitarian, tyranny, imperialist, capitalist horror that the USA, that people like Michael Moore and Sean Penn and Oliver Stone hate so much. This is the kind of misery that they inflict on the people of Venezuela, whom those three people love so much. Check this out. It's early in the morning, and hundreds of people are waiting for medical attention outside a school. U.S. Navy personnel have turned its classrooms into a temporary clinic. Olga Puna is here with her mother to see if they can get cataract surgeries. Both are Venezuelans, now living in Colombia. We need surgeries for our eyes, but in Colombia we haven't been able to get them because we're not insured. The U.S. Navy sent its hospital ship, the USNS Comfort, on its sixth mission to Latin America. This time the ship is helping Colombia to treat Venezuelan migrants who have left their country to escape hyperinflation and medical shortages. On board, Navy doctors provide free surgeries. Their colleagues on land help patients who require basic medical care. The migration crisis has certainly played a factor. Uh, we are here to help the, uh, the Colombian government uh, and, their, uh, and their obviously strained healthcare system uh, to, uh, to be able to provide for all of those uh, in need here uh, in, in Rio Hacha. Wow. It sounds like the evil, greedy, capitalist swine to me, doesn't it? The democratic socialist utopia of Venezuela, ladies and gentlemen. Your Bernie Sanders, your Ocasio-Cortezes, your other far-left Democrats decry the greed and consumerism and the hatred and the bigotry of the United States in regards to Latin America. How, how dare they build a wall? They just don't like the brown people at all. Six trips this US Navy hospital ship has made to South America. You know, you know the healthcare system that the Bernie Sanders and the Elizabeth Warrens and the Hillary Clintons and the Ocasio-Cortezes hate so much. in the military that they hate so much, from the country that they hate so much, the bigoted, hateful, capitalist swine of the United States, stomping its foot in Latin America, oppressing people, oppressing the economic refugees of a democratic socialist state by giving them free surgery. 
putting food in their bellies. What a crime against humanity. With that, guys, thanks for listening. If you want to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. If you enjoy the show, hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And if you'd like to leave a comment about the show, please do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Till next time, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.